0: This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by the Roman Castavet Travel Agency. Roman Castavet, you name a place, he's been there. Go ahead, name
1: a place. Fairbanks, Alaska. I've been there.
2: Under the double with the bones. ancient goblers and wo come at the ground line making a sound.
0: Hello, my name is Chris. My
3: name is Kelsey. And
0: this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. This week, a double feature.
2: The late night double feature, show.
0: Rosemary's Baby from 1968 and the television miniseries event, rosemary's baby from 2014 but before we get to that kelsey let's do some slash cards all right you want to go first sure go ahead
3: my first question to you is child actor miko hughes played gage creed in what 1989 film
0: pet cemetery you
3: got that (laughs) one correct
0: yeah all right kelsey (laughs) Yes. What future Hollywood star was among the first batch of counselors slaughtered at Camp Crystal Lake in Friday the 13th from
3: 1980?
0: Kevin Bacon. That's right. Yeah. Okay. He's the
3: only famous one, so.
0: Yeah, really. Kelsey, we're going to talk first about Rosemary's Baby from 1968, the original. Yay! But first, before we get there, I feel like we would be remiss if we did not address the elephant in the room that is Roman Polanski. Okay. So you won't be hearing us in this episode gush about Roman Polanski. But I do want to get these two things out of the way. First of all, a year after this movie was released, his wife Sharon Tate was murdered as part of the Manson family murders.
3: And we can still recognize that as a tragedy. It is.
0: It that, absolutely that, doesn't,
3: is. that still doesn't make him a good person.
0: Right. And in 1977, he was arrested. What he was charged with was drugging and raping a 13-year-old girl. He pled guilty to unlawful sex with a minor, but not to rape. He was in prison, actually awaiting sentencing for over a month, and he expected as a result of his plea to be released on probation, but while they were figuring out sentencing, and he was actually on on probation during this point, he had posted bail, he found out that the plan was to actually put him in prison, so he fled to Paris, and... So doesn't look good on him, and it's absolutely awful what he did.
3: Everybody likes to forget that Jack Nicholson was also involved in this.
0: Yeah, it was at Jack Nicholson's house Yeah, uh, that, it, that it took place. But I think for the purposes of, of this show, we're just going to talk about the movie as it exists and as it relates to what we talk about on this podcast, which is horror. And so we will be talking about that, but we won't be diving into Roman Polanski any further than than this. He is a total bag, a scumbag, and he fled the country to escape punishment. And that's really fucking shitty for that woman and uh, her friends and family and for us as a society. But I want to get that out of the way first so we can talk about just how fucking amazing Rosemary's Baby is. <laughs> If you haven't seen it, this is another one of those movies, just like The Sixth Sense and Get Out, that you really, really should. So the premise of Rosemary's Baby is a young couple moves into a new apartment in New York. They are a stay-at-home wife and a struggling actor. They want to get pregnant, and as soon as she does, her husband also becomes a successful actor, and it seems like everything's going great. But... Her pregnancy has a lot of troubles. She gets really sick. She gets really thin. And she starts getting very paranoid about whether or not the people around her have her best interests at heart. So go ahead and watch this movie. Uh, It's basically available everywhere. We got it on Amazon. I think it's also available on iTunes. But go ahead and just buy it. You don't need to rent it. Buy it. It was pretty cheap. It was like 10 bucks or something like that. And watch it, and then come back and join us as we talk about 1968's Rosemary's Baby.
3: Oh, oh it's a wonderful apartment. I love See,
1: it. See what she's trying to do? She's trying to get you lower the rent. Are you aware that the Bramford had rather do? an unpleasant reputation around the turn of the century? It's worthy. Trench sisters, cooked and ate several young children, including a niece. Let's have a baby, all right? I dreamed someone was raping me. Dr. Hill, there's a plot. I know that sounds crazy. You're probably thinking, my god, this poor girl is really flipping. I've been everywhere, literally. You name a place, and I've been there.
2: Hi, dear, what a bother you we?
1: Minnie Castavette has a herbarium. I'm going to have her make a daily drink for you. We're
2: your friends, Rosemary. There's nothing to be afraid of, Rosemary.
1: Honest and truly, there isn't. La, la. presents Mia Farrow in a William Castle production Rosemary's Baby co-starring John Cassavetes Ruth Gordon, Sidney Blackmer Morris Evans and Ralph Bellamy written for the screen and directed by Roman Polanski from the best selling novel by Ira Levin suggested for mature audiences
0: alright Kelsey Yes. Let's go over the plot elements, but let's make it quick.
3: Okay. This couple, um, as Chris said, she's a homemaker and he is a struggling actor. How they're able to afford this amazing apartment? They is never really explain.
0: They say something about rent control, basically. It's like <laughs> the the landlord says, uh, basically, if, if I could charge more, I would.
3: Right. So they get this amazing apartment and she really wants to get pregnant. And I mean, it's kind of assumed that he does too. We don't really get his opinion on the subject. He's, yeah, he's just like, sure, whatever. But he's way too concerned about his career. So they meet the the couple next door, this elderly couple,
0: the Castavets,
3: who are extremely nosy, extremely loud, loud, a little too friendly, etc. And all of a sudden, he really wants to get her pregnant, and yeah. she really wants to get pregnant. So. They plan it out. They plan what night she'll be ovulating, etc. But then she basically passes out and she has very strange dreams. And when she wakes up, She's got scratch marks all over her, but she's pregnant. So who cares? She's excited. Yeah, uh-huh. She's a little weirded out that her husband had sex with her while she was passed out. But who cares, right? Because she's pregnant.
2: Right. Ugh.
3: So the couple next door is like, oh, you should go to this amazing doctor. And we know him. So you'll get cheap doctor's visits or whatever. So she does. But he's very strange. Don't talk to any of her friends. Don't read any books. Take these th- these drinks from your next door neighbor instead of taking pills, etc.
1: Please don't read books. No pregnancy was ever exactly like the ones described in the books. And don't listen to your friends, either. No two pregnancies are ever alike. Dr. Hill prescribed vitamin pills. No pills. Minnie Castavet has a herbarium. I'm gonna have her make a daily drink for you that'll be fresher, safer, and more vitamin-rich than any pills on the market. Any questions you have, call me night or day. Call me, not your Aunt Fanny. That's what I'm here
0: for. he's a high-profile doctor in New York.
3: Yes. And that's absolutely true. He really is. People know who he is.
0: He's very successful.
3: Even her friend, who is skeptical, is like, oh, yeah, he delivered two of my grandchildren. Yeah. So we have no reason to think that he's in on this. But he is a little odd. In that he wants her to do things that most pregnant women don't do. And she becomes increasingly paranoid based on things that her friend tells her about this couple. Well, not really about the couple, but about the things the couple are giving her and the advice that they're giving her. Yes. And she suddenly discovers when her friend dies, he gives her a book and he says the name is an anagram. And she figures out that her next door neighbor... Is this dude's son, Stephen Mercado's son, and they are devil worshippers, and so she thinks that they want her baby for a blood sacrifice. Yeah. Obviously, everyone around her, except for her cl- her personal friends, who she never gets to see anymore because her life becomes increasingly controlled. Yeah. By her neighbors and her husband and her doctor, so but she realizes that they want her for some reason, so she tries to escape. She ends up having the baby. They tell her the baby died. And they are lying to her. And she hears the baby crying through the walls because the walls are super thin. Yeah. It all used to be one giant apartment. So that yeah. kind of makes sense. So then she uh, she comes in. She finds out, oh, no, I've had the son of the devil. <laughs> yes. That's the story.
0: Oh, it's so good. It's yes. so good. Yes. I mean, basically, this whole movie is about a few things. It's about the horrors of gaslighting. It's about female agency. Yeah. It's about... It's um, funny.
3: This is the first time I've really watched it through the lens of... I mean, I always knew it was about controlling this woman, right? But this is the first time that it really hit me how strongly this movie is about women's rights. Yeah. And about how people know how to manipulate women because we've all been raised to be nice Uh to accept things to not make a fuss
0: yeah so that
3: really hit me pretty hard this time
0: yeah and i think i i can only assume that it hit a lot of women in the same way
3: i think it's important to note that it's not that i didn't recognize that she was being controlled all this time yeah it's that this is the first time that i was like Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It's because she's a woman. Yeah. I just always accepted it because as a girl, this is the way society treats me. And this right, is... you didn't
0: see anything unusual
3: in her behavior. Exactly. Yeah. And this is the first time because when I was a kid, because I love this movie, I've been watching it since I was a child. When I was a kid, it upset me that she didn't fight back more. And then as I got older, it was like, oh, you know, this is just the way people fucking act. This yeah, is just the way uh-huh. people treat women. And now as an adult, it's like, oh, fuck.
0: Yeah, I'd be shouting and screaming and I'd get the fuck out of there. But unfortunately, that's not the way women were raised.
3: And luckily, we're starting to change that.
0: Yeah. And this is also a movie about believing women to that extent. There is basically, you know... Her young friends are worried about her and why she's not doing anything, why she's not going to a different doctor. Her older friend Hutch believes her as well because he's worried about her. But everyone else in her life doesn't believe her, including the doctor that she actually likes, Charles Groden, who thinks she's just being hysterical. Kelsey, before we get deeper into the movie, I would like to address an important topic here. This is an adaptation of a book. Yes. A book which you've read. Yes. And you like the movie?
3: Well, I saw the movie way before I read the book, first of all. But secondly, this movie is practically word for word in the book. Yeah. And actually, Roman Polanski, as a director, was basically told after he made it, like, you're not supposed to do that. Don't you understand? Yeah,
0: he didn't know that he could change...
3: Right. He didn't realize that he could make it his own. And honestly, while I can appreciate when movies change stories to make them their own, I really can. You might not think that I can, but I can. Yeah. This is what a lot of books, I feel when they are turned into films, this is what should be done.
0: And you can kind of see if you've read the book and you watch the movie, you can kind of see especially in the dialogue where... Oh, this was written down on a page in a book.
3: I disagree. I think it's, I think you can feel that a lot with Stephen King films. Yeah. But this one, I don't know. I think he wrote people very well. I think it's very realistic how people act and how people talk.
0: This is a book by Ira Levin, which we said in the last episode, uh, who also did The Stepford Wives. According to him, he said that this is the single most faithful adaptation of a novel ever to come out of Hollywood. Uh, let alone of, you know, his own novels, he's saying of any novel, partially because this is the first time that the director adapted any previously existing work and he didn't know that he could actually change it. But Ira Levin has made a few films that turned into movies and he's apparently always disappointed. And so this is the first time that he was actually excited and happy with one of his adaptations. Kind of like, you know, yeah. An adaptation can be good. I don't hate my adaptations simply because they they're adaptations of my work. It's because they change so much, and this one didn't change anything practically.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Hardly anything changed. Mm-hmm. So, Kelsey, what do you want to talk about?
3: Oh, so many things. <laughs> so the movie starts out with a lullaby being sung by Mia Farrow, who was not a singer. She, yeah, I was gonna. That's what I was gonna say. She does not have a great voice. This is just a silly lullaby where she just says la 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 over and over again. But, and you can already hear it just in this little lullaby that she can't sing, but I also know Mia Farrow's voice from The Last Unicorn where she has to sing a song. Uh Uh-huh. Now that I'm a woman. No. And it's real bad. So I don't know why in two films she was asked to sing.
0: Mia Farrow has this beautiful 60s voice. Reminds me a lot of like Audrey Hepburn, like that style of actress voice. Little
3: twinge of British, but not exactly but British. she's not
0: British. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's uh, it's a little weird. But I think also it, it ties into the fact of like the beauty of a woman singing a lullaby to her child. You know, I think that's what it's supposed to evoke. It's not supposed to be this well-sung song. Mm -hmm. It's just a mother singing a lullaby to her child.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: So the husband in this particular story, and the reason I say that is because...
0: Guy Woodhouse.
3: Yeah, the reason I say in her particular situation is because before we get into Rosemary's child, there is a first girl. A girl that that the older, the elderly couple, the Castavettes picked up off the street. Terry. Terry. So she was a dope addict, which I assume means heroin. I don't know. Was heroin a thing in the 60s?
0: Dope referred to a lot of things back then. Exactly. Yeah.
3: (laughs) I don't know. But she's some sort of addict who was picked up off the street. And she's living with this couple. We hear her through the walls several times. Minnie Castavette has this obnoxiously loud voice, and so we hear her a lot through the walls. And we hear, in my opinion, we shouldn't tell her at all.
2: If you want my opinion, you shouldn't tell her at all. That's my opinion.
3: The girl ends up falling to her death in a supposed suicide. And then the very next night, we hear through the walls again.
0: I can't believe you're the leader of anything.
3: If I had been, then we wouldn't have had to do this.
0: I told you she wasn't
3: open-minded. Yeah. So in that circumstance, what we gather is that they told her, we want you to have sex with the devil and have a baby because Roman Castavet apparently felt it was the right thing to do to tell her. Uh Uh-huh. And because she says "Then we wouldn't have had to do this, the implication is that they pushed her out the window. Right? Yeah. Which gives us a lot of questions. I think it could
0: go either way. She could have committed suicide.
3: But she full on says then we wouldn't have had to do this. And in Rosemary's dream, because this is all said while Rosemary is dreaming, we see the windows being fixed. Yeah. So I guess you could say perhaps she meant then we wouldn't have had to fix our windows. But I've always taken it as they pushed her out the window so like I was going to say the question then is how did they get out of the apartment before anybody found her dead? Cuz she they end up walking down the street when they see her. Yeah,
0: they could have they could have had her killed. They could have That's true. Or she could have actually committed suicide. I don't think it matters one way or the other.
3: So in that circumstance, the Castavets are to blame. Oh yeah. In Rosemary's circumstance. I blame Guy. Oh, totally. Totally blame the husband. He is. And it's interesting because I know a lot of people would be upset by that remark because they would say, of course, it's the Castavet's fault. They're the evil ones, they're the ones that are devil worshippers, right? Yeah. But in this case... Well, I mean, it it is.
0: Fault doesn't get assigned to a single party. Fault can be spread around, but...
3: But if it weren't for Guy, it wouldn't have happened.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: They decide to go to Guy. It's so interesting that they want to tell people what their plan is. Well, I
0: mean, they know that he's a talented, struggling actor. I think also you need somebody in on it to make it happen. Right. uh, Especially if that other person lives with the person that you want to impregnate. And it also... Going back to female agency, it goes back to the idea of, like, a wife being owned by her husband husband and him being able to sell her.
3: Right. But it's just interesting because by the end of the film, all of my anger is on Guy. Yeah. I, you know, I don't like the cast of Ed's, but it's like, if it hadn't been for Guy, it wouldn't have happened. So, all of my anger and hatred is towards him. He's an asshole, so... He's a struggling actor. Yeah. And John
0: Cassavetes, by the way, plays Guy Woodhouse.
3: And so when he in the very beginning, when they're talking to the landlord, this question comes up all the time. Every time they say he's an actor. Oh, what have you been? Have I seen you in anything? Uh (laughs) And every single time Rosemary gives the exact same answer. He was in two plays. Nobody loves an albatross and Luther and lots of television commercials,
0: including a Yamaha commercial, which they're able to get Yamaha right in the middle of the movie because he's in that commercial. It's the
3: perfect way to get sponsorship. The first time
0: I saw it, like all of a sudden, it's just Rosemary kind of sits down in front of the TV and watches a Yamaha commercial. And I was like, this is really odd. And then you see that, oh, he's the guy thinking about buying a Yamaha motorcycle.
1: You know, you really should discover the swinging world of Yamaha. Why don't you get on? Have a ride. Come on, come on. Okay, come on,
3: let's go. But so when he's talking to the landlord, he says, Oh, well, that's all, that's where all the money is, isn't it? In commercials. And he goes, Oh, yeah. And the artistic thrills are to die for. Uh And it's just like, What a fucking asshole. Like from the get go. And Rosemary even says. Oh, he's very
0: sarcastic. "No,
3: No, 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 no. I have no problem with his humor. His humor makes me laugh. But. Even Rosemary says it in the film, all actors are self-centered. They have to be for their job, right? And that is him all over. The yeah. entire film, all he ever thinks about is himself. The only time he says anything that makes you think he cares about his wife is at the very end, after she's had the baby, he says, they promised me you wouldn't be hurt. And, and, and you, you think really about haven't been. You
1: haven't been. They promised me you wouldn't be hurt. And you haven't been, really. I mean, supposing you had the baby and you lost it, wouldn't that be the same?
0: But this is, this is my point, and it shows how self-centered he is, that he would even use that as an argument. Like the idea of putting somebody through that awful pregnancy, of having them raped even without their knowledge, and going through what you tell them is a stillbirth or a miscarriage or the baby dies shortly after having birth, that that's not hurting her is fucking ludicrous.
3: Oh, absolutely. Uh, Like I said, that's the only line that he shows any sign of, I care about you, and even that is bullshit. But
0: it's like an excuse. It's like his way out. It's it's the way he rationalizes that he didn't do anything bad because, well, we're in the same exact place we were beforehand. No baby. Mm -hmm. As if the time interim wasn't absolutely awful for her
3: right and the whole idea is we can have another one yeah right because nothing went wrong with her as in like oh you can no longer have children yeah and so his his thing is well you can have another one so there's no harm there and before she finds out what actually happened his response is from now on, everything is going to be roses for you. And we're going to blow this town and move to Hollywood. So in his opinion, they're going to leave all of this behind and it's going to be like, it never, ever happened. Yeah. I'm curious if after that, if he would have been good to her or if he just would have continued to be a bastard. Yeah. Most likely the second one,
0: probably Mm -hmm. a guy pretty early on in the story is converted, right? He's so desperate to be successful. And Roman kind of feeds into his ego. The first dinner that they have together, all he's doing is talking about how amazing he is and how Roman knows all this stuff about Guy and all the parts he's in and happened to have seen him in all this stuff. Uh, Who knows? You know, maybe he did research on him or maybe he is actually that worldly that he knows all that stuff. But it feeds into Guy's ego. And then originally when Guy was totally like, "Ugh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to hang out with these old people. Then... All of a sudden, he's all into it, and oh, Roman's such an interesting guy, and I'm gonna see him like alone tomorrow night too. The night where she's raped. The next morning, she's like, "Wait a minute, you had sex with me when I was passed out," and he was like, "Yeah, it was kind of necrophiliac, necrophi- yeah, <laughs>
3: necrophiliac way,
0: yeah, like that's fucking disgusting," and. And and she starts to be very upset with him, which she has every right to be. Mm-hmm. And then she just lets it go.
3: Yeah. However, the thing is, and this is pretty masterfully put together. Ira Levin is a good, does a good job with this. It starts out small, right? These little things that she just says, okay, and says, okay, and says, okay. And then when the big things start to happen, it's like, what do you do now? Because you allowed all these things to happen before that you weren't okay with. When do you get the chance to put your foot down anymore?
0: Well, it's interesting that you say that because why is it that she, one of the best worst lines in one of the best movies ever is, this isn't a dream. This is really happening. This is no dream. This is really happening. Which Mia Farrow says when everyone's in the room watching her be raped by Satan.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Why is it? That she knows it's happening. She shouldn't be able. She should be completely knocked out. Why isn't she?
3: Because she didn't eat. So the night that they're supposed to have a baby, Minnie Castavec comes over and gives them a chocolate mousse pie. As she puts it, chocolate mouse. Mouse, yeah. Because uh-huh. uh, she's got that real. Is it Long Island? Is her, is her uh, accent yeah, I Long Island?
2: Yeah, that's the idea,
3: yeah. Yeah, so she's eating this thing and obviously it doesn't taste good because it's laced with drugs to pass, make her pass out and Roman gets stupidly upset about it. He's just like, fine, don't eat it, you know, be a little bitch about it. And she's like, oh no, I'll eat it, it's delicious. And then he walks away and she puts the rest of it into her napkin. Yeah. So it, she didn't get the full
0: yeah. thing. But imagine being in a relationship where you can't tell somebody you don't want to eat a dessert. You know what, I don't like this. I'm not going to finish eating it. No, you need to eat it because she made it for you. It's like she's not here. She's not going to know like how much of an asshole that makes guy. And he's he does things like this because there there is the subtext that he needs to make sure she eats it. So it works because he is he's in on it.
3: And see, here's the thing. When I was she a has kid, to, she has
0: to deceive him.
3: Right. And when I was a kid, I was more angry at her because it was like, stand up for yourself. Yeah. Say no. Right. But as you get older, I mean, this is, you know, this is definitely, if you want to think about it this way, a metaphor for what we now think of in terms of rape, right? Yeah. Little things lead up to the full-blown rape. And you don't say no because you don't know how. And yeah. you feel uncomfortable. And then when it finally gets to that point, it's like, well, what the fuck do I do now? Yeah. And so... Oftentimes, people will hear these stories and they'll be like, why didn't you just say no from the get go? And it's like because it started out small. It started out as little things that were no big deal. And then it got bigger and bigger. and I didn't know what to do anymore because I had already let so many things go. Yeah. And so that's kind of how it feels here. She should have just said no from the beginning. But at the same time, it's like, okay, now you're blaming the victim. And it's hard. It's really hard as an outsider to understand what that person is feeling, you know, at the time. Because it's like, why didn't you just be like, no, I'm not going to fucking eat this. Deal with it. She's thinking about, oh, my God, it's going to turn into a fight. She even says, oh, if it's going to be a big thing, you know, it's like Chris says, why can't you stand up to your partner? You should be able to. But that also has to do with the fact that we're looking at this from a 2018 stance. And back in the 60s, it was very much expected for you to do what your husband says. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. It's really hard.
0: And then that night when he lights the fireplace, he says, here goes nothing. Here goes nothing. But my point is, is that from very early on, Guy is in on this. And ever since they have that first dinner with the cast of vets, from then for the rest of the movie, there is an ulterior motive that Guy has And everything he says and does is that much creepier, especially when you know what's going on and you know he's in on it.
3: It's really interesting that you say that that makes it creepier, because from my standpoint, it makes it make more sense. Because the first time you watch it, you're just like, Jesus Christ, what is this man doing before you realize what he's doing? It's just like he doesn't care that his wife is in pain. He makes up bullshit excuses for everything.
0: That wouldn't be fair to Dr. Saperstein.
3: Right. What do you mean
0: fair to Dr. Saperstein?
3: And like he uses her pain against her when she says she's going to throw a party for all of her friends. Uh Meanwhile, he has never cared about her pain before. And so when you know why he's doing it, it doesn't excuse it. But at least it, get, it makes it make sense. But it's funny that you're saying it makes it creepier. Right, right Just
0: because it makes sense, I think it clarifies the intent. And the intent is otherwise hidden, right? I, I just think back to when she doesn't have pain anymore. Which, by the way, another great line in this movie is when she's waiting for Hutch because Hutch says he needs to meet her. And she's still in pain. And she's out by the time building. Uh, She has this great line that's pain be gone. I will have no more of thee
2: pain be gone. I will have no more
3: of thee.
0: It's really cute.
3: She plays an excellent woman on the edge of sanity. Yeah, she really does. None of it feels like acting. Totally. She looks like she's going insane and she's doing everything she can to keep it together.
0: So finally, the pain stops because she's at the point where she wants to see the other doctor,
3: interesting that you say that I was gonna bring that up. why so you're saying that you think it's because the baby knows that she's going to go to another doctor if she stops if she doesn't stop having pain.
0: I just think that it could be something. it could also be a coincidence.
3: well, this is something that you notice is...
0: that you notice that when they it reaches the peak of their argument and she finally says. You know, basically, fuck you, I'm going, which she has not said at any point in this movie ever, I'm going to do something against your wishes, that is the exact moment that the pain stops.
3: Because she she finally has some backup to her argument, because her, her friends, she had just had her party, her friends keep telling her, the pain says something that is wrong. You need to go and get a second opinion. Fuck It's been your husband. too long.
0: Like it's one thing to lose weight. I knew people who lost weight when they first got pregnant. Yeah, I mean, our you, friend
3: Miranda lost a lot of weight when she first got you pregnant. You literally
0: have a parasite in your body. It's mm-hmm. sucking up all your resources. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
3: Yeah, and our friend Alicia didn't exactly have a great pregnancy either. You know, she was she felt sick all the time, etc. So it's understandable that people are sick and in pain and losing weight. But she's in an enormous amount of pain. Yeah. And it's interesting because I have a lot of stomach pain that my doctors have never been able to diagnose. So I just kind of accept it, you know. But at the same time, I've never had anyone around me tell me not to go to a doctor. I've never had anyone be like, just deal with it. Like everyone is telling me that I should go to more doctors and have more tests and I don't want to. So. Well, I think
0: the added <laughs> the added element of it being a pregnancy is... Like, you know, everyone's like every pregnancy is different. Some people do have pain during pregnancy. Like, you know, we have all these things associated with pregnancy, like morning sickness and nausea and all that stuff. Like, yeah. And then we have contractions late in the pregnancy, obviously. But, like, pregnancy is associated with pain. So I think people are willing to.
3: But she looks so terrible.
0: Yeah. And Hutch and her other friends are the only ones in her life. That are willing to tell her that. Yeah. Like her her good friends are the ones that say, you look like shit, Rosemary.
3: Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that you took it as the baby recognizes well, it and or
0: stops. Or it's them. Or it's the, the Satanists.
3: What has bothered me since I was a kid is that she, at this point in the film, has stopped drinking the shake. Yeah. That Minnie gives her. Yeah. At this point, I don't know how many times she hasn't taken it, but we've seen her pour it down the drain a couple of times and not drink it. Yeah. So even as a child, I was like, clearly it was the drink that was giving you pain. Why don't you make a connection there? And why don't you say okay? I'm not drinking that. Well, shit because anymore. at this
0: point, this is the first time that she stops feeling pain. That's all she can think of. But the thing that kind of doesn't support that point of view is once she feels better, she starts drinking the shake again.
3: Exactly. And she Which has feel driven pain. I know, and she doesn't have pain anymore, and that has driven me insane because that's I'm like I'm like that should be the connection.
0: I think it's associated with you know, there's a demon inside of her that's growing and getting stronger, and yeah, it's, it's taking it's taking too much.
3: I know we we're gonna talk about the next one, but the new one uh-huh. actually full on says that. Yeah. It is because it is a bizarre fetus that is making it. So that have pain. that's kind
0: of always the point. But that's also the scene when it kicks. She's worried at first because the it's pain goes baby. away, it might be dead, but then it kicks and she grabs Guy's hand and puts it on her stomach and it kicks. And Guy's hand immediately pulls away. And she tells him it won't bite. And it can be explained away by this has always been kind of creepy, but fascinating to me is that there is a living thing growing inside this woman's body, right? It's moving around. It has its own impulses. There is another living being that's this big inside your belly. Like it's a there's something a little bit creepy about pregnancy, (laughs) but beautiful. Right. But if you think about it in that way, it's like. If you think about the way other animals get pregnant or give birth and we're like, oh, egg sacs and like stuff like that. It's so creepy. We, we It grows inside our own bodies. Like that's creepy, too. So you can see him being like, whoa, like for his first exposure to the only thing between a living being inside your body and my hand is like your skin. <laughs> like that could be creepy. But that's not why he freaks out. He freaks out because that's a demon inside of there yes. and it's alive and I just interacted with it mm-hmm. and it freaks him out
2: mm-hmm.
0: and like the fact that he has that instinct but not the instinct to protect Rosemary from it growing inside of her makes him the ultimate villain yes. of this movie
3: he's he's a downright disgusting character Yeah. and again I know we're not talking about the second one yet but fuck that storyline yeah Fuck it so much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, when she wants to get a second medical opinion, that's when the pain stops. Magically.
3: Now, when they first move into the apartment, Rosemary, it's filled with the stuff of the lady who once lived there. Still filled yeah. with it. She finds a piece of paper that says something about I can no longer associate myself. Right. And she finds this spice garden and she they find this giant armoire in front of this closet. And there's just all these little things that, again, I am not this character. And that's always really hard for me.
0: Yeah. No, it is. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) Kelsey has a really hard time disassociating herself from the characters she sees on screen. (laughs) And she'll like scream and get angry that characters don't do certain things. And it's like, yeah, but they're not you. They don't have your experiences and they don't have your reactions. She has a really hard time coming to terms with that.
3: I am an extremely curious person, especially when it comes to other human beings. Uh-huh. Some might call that nosy. I do my best to not be a nosy person, uh-huh. but if I were to move into an apartment that's got a bunch of odd things like that, like a giant armoire in front of a closet, or and especially knowing what I know about New York City, and that closet space is hard to find. Yeah, and I find this weird piece of paper that says I cannot, I can no longer associate myself. I would go through that woman's every personal belonging (laughs) before getting rid of it. Like, I'm a nosy person. I would want to read all those papers that are sitting there that are just at my fingertips. Yeah. And I would want to know why she put that armoire in front of the closet. And I feel like I would have figured it out faster (laughs) than Rosemary because I would have needed to know.
0: So I'd also like to continue to say stuff about this movie being feminist in nature. Okay. There is this contingent of the audience that believes it's misogynistic, that believes the exact opposite. And I can kind of see why. Rosemary, the main female character who's supposed to be your hero, she's weak. She's acquiescent. She's quiet. Everyone tells her what to do and runs her life and gaslights her and she just lets it happen to her. But I feel like that's a very surface level understanding of a movie.
2: Mm -hmm. That
0: everything that happens in a movie must be something that supports the thesis of the movie as yeah. opposed to being an example of a bad thing that shouldn't happen. Yeah. You know what i mean?
3: And it's a very limited perspective. Right.
0: It's it's very obvious who the bad guys are here,
3: mm-hmm. right?
0: And so we shouldn't agree with the things that they're doing. You know, like that it it seems uh, pretty straightforward to me. It seems like a statement to the women in the audience, don't let this happen to you. Act up, speak out. Do something,
3: mm-hmm. you know, stop letting men rule your lives. Right. Stop. Stop letting society rule your lives. And
0: the problem is, it's a lot. It's very, very hard for women to do something like this, because, like I said earlier, it's about believing what a woman is saying about what's happening to her. You know, like we're that's a very big topic in our society right now. Mm-hmm. Um, And this movie is very much all about that. Like, for instance, Dr. Hill, who's um, Charles Grodin. She tells all this stuff to, and he ends up calling Dr. Saperstein and her husband to pick her up because he doesn't believe her. But what is it that Rosemary does when Dr. Hill believes her?
3: She says, thank God for Dr. Hill. So She lies down to have a nap.
0: She talks to Hutch, right? and And she's like, oh, yeah, there's all this stuff going on. And Hutch is like hmm, and he does his own personal research, and he's like, let's talk in person. Let's meet in front of the time building. And they never actually get to talk. And she's trying to rationalize all of her pain when she's talking to her friends, and they're like, you need to go to a doctor. Right? And she starts crying because it's a relief to admit that she's in a lot of pain.
3: And that someone cares.
0: Right. Well, I, I think that's less... it. Someone cares, which allows her to admit.
3: Exactly. Because you know? the thing is... Everyone around her that she is nervous about, if you take a step back, if you look at it from outside of her perspective, you might see that these people have done nothing but kind things for her.
0: Yeah. And that she's being a bitch for complaining.
3: Exactly. Yeah. And that is her driving force for not doing anything about it. Because she recognizes that she's paranoid and that she doesn't have enough evidence and she doesn't have anyone on her side. When her friends finally say, no, this is wrong, it's and it's only because she finally stood up for herself and said, fuck this. I don't want to hang out with these old people anymore. I want to see my friends who I've not seen in months because of these people. She finally gets validation. Yeah. Which she hadn't had before. And you might say... Why do you need validation? Well, because of who she was well, and because it was the 60s and she, and she was expected to go along with whatever her husband said. And like we
0: said, though, this is all about gaslighting, right? Yeah. And gaslighting is basically where you intentionally make somebody feel like they're crazy for... Noticing things that actually are happening, like, you know,
3: and that still happens like you're today. fucking with somebody.
0: It's practical jokes, but it can also be used to manipulate a person. Yeah. And so when you finally have somebody validating that you're not crazy, it can be a very intense relief. And she starts cry. She literally starts crying when Dr. Hill says he believes her. But then he fucking betrays that trust.
3: All because she mentions Dr. Saperstein, uh-huh. who we've already said is... A very a,
0: prominent doctor yes, in New York.
3: Yes, a real one. So I mean, he the cast of it's are pretty intelligent yeah. when you think about it.
0: Dr. Hill could have very easily gone, we're taking you to a hospital, a hospital that I work at. And if you wanted to call Dr. Saperstein, be like, hey, listen, if you want to see her, you can absolutely come see her and you can treat her. But she's staying in this hospital.
3: Yeah. But again, it was the 60s. hmm. And,
0: and you just don't believe women. You yeah. control their lives and you do because all the men in your life know what's best for you and not you.
3: And admittedly, she does sound like a crazy person if you think of it as if like you're just this random guy who gets right. told this crazy story about witches Right. But well, and gets
0: handed the book and all that extra stuff and be like, no, this is the evidence I see. This guy happens to live in this building and his name happens to be an anagram for Stephen Mercado was
3: born the same year. Yeah.
0: Like, oh, this is all just too much of a coincidence. Listen, even if you don't believe it's true, accept the fact that I'm uncomfortable and I don't want this fucker to be my doctor anymore. Mm -hmm. Like. Deal with that. How would you send me back to this guy when I just told you I'm freaking out because he's my doctor? My well-being is what's important right here. You, doctor, you serve me, not the other way around. Like, you should be looking out for my best interest. And right now, that's not being in his care. Whatever the reason is. It's better for me in my pregnancy that I not be put through that.
3: But, again, it has the 60s perspective. Uh And that's where you go to. Case with the second one, but we'll get there. Yeah,
0: (laughs) differences from the book there are very few. They do don't
3: ask me because I don't really remember. It's been years. So the book goes
0: on a little bit longer than the than the movie does. I was trying
3: to remember the ending. The ending is the part that I can't remember.
0: So first of all, they praise Rosemary. They do a hail Rosemary thing.
2: Okay. When
0: she decides to take care of the child, Mm -hmm. we can only see this but we can't know it for certain in the movie but she considers killing the baby when she has the opportunity to do so Mm -hmm. but it struggles it cries it freaks out and she has sympathy for it because it is after all half her Mm -hmm. it is half human it is half her
3: does it describe what she looks what it looks like in the book that's the one thing i couldn't remember i don't know i have to reread it
0: so she takes pity on it and she's like well it is human, right? So, like, we all know that, yes, there is nature, but there's also nurture, right? And so she feels that it's in the best interest of this child to raise it and and teach it to be good, basically.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So we can only see her coming to that decision, but we can't, like, we don't hear her thoughts or anything like that.
3: But I think... I think Mia Farrow does a pretty yeah, good job. Yeah, no, she example. does a really great job. Yeah. We don't need to hear that.
0: She also tells the Pope and the Catholic Church.
3: I don't remember that.
0: And lets them decide. Really? Yeah, what to do with it.
3: I don't remember that.
0: But we don't we don't know what comes of it. We just know that she notifies the Vatican. So that's about it. I mean, really, a lot of it is taken straight from the fucking movie or cut for time, you know, so it would flow better. But that's that's mostly it.
3: Yeah. I remember while I was reading it, I was just like, this is basically word for word the movie. There are a number of things that happen throughout the film that alert Rosemary that something is wrong. Even before anything happens, she hears chanting through the walls. She hears them talking about things which sound really weird. She notices that they've taken all their pictures down off the walls when they go over there for dinner. Uh
0: And replaced one of them with one that didn't fit in that place.
3: Mm-hmm. The pictures, they took them down. The hooks in the wall and clean spaces. And the one picture that is there doesn't fit. I didn't
1: notice that.
3: And when Minnie comes over, every time she comes over, she's extremely nosy. At one point, her and this lady, Laura Louise, come over. And Laura Louise, like, flaunt sits on her book that she was reading. Yeah. Just a lot of disrespect and a lot of curiosities and weird things happening.
2: Uh-huh.
3: And one thing that really freaks me out, like I would be like, this is really nice of you, but I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do that. So Rosemary meets Terry before she dies. That's how we get to know Terry as a character. She sees her when she's jumped out the window and she's wearing the necklace that Terry had already shown her. Oh, it's a good luck charm. They gave it to me, blah, blah, blah. She sees that she's fucking wearing it when she jumped out the window. Mm -hmm. Later on, Minnie gives it to her as a gift. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I can't take this. It's old. It's worth a lot of money. Like, don't give it to me. My response would be, I'm sorry. I can't wear something someone else was wearing when they killed themselves. see what I'm
0: saying when I say Kelsey has a really hard time removing (laughs) herself from other characters and their behavior?
3: Throughout the film, there are a bunch of times... When she full on says, oh, don't change the program on my account. I don't want to bother you with this. And I can really relate to that because that's how a woman feels a lot of the time. Just Mm -hmm. like, don't worry about me. Just go on with what you're doing. And that fucking sucks. And the fact that I can relate to it says that not a lot has changed in the past 50 years.
0: Everyone made a big deal when Leonardo DiCaprio ate the horse's liver or whatever it was in the revenant because he's a vegetarian and he was so committed to his craft that he ate a raw body part
3: made Uh, him really sick and yeah and he
0: ended up throwing up well fucking mia farrow did that in 1968 she was a vegetarian and she ate an actual raw liver she didn't get the props that leo does
3: (laughs) well also a lot of people probably don't know that (laughs) (laughs) the morning after she's been raped He's nervously smoking, and he's get, he's preparing himself, basically like an actor would, yeah. right? Preparing himself to to gaslight, to make it all seem like it's all in her head. So that was interesting, and I think that's the only time in the entire movie where we see him having a hard time,
0: a uh, crisis of conscience. Yes. Yeah.
3: No other. At no other point does he seem like he feels guilty in any way. Yeah. And even this could be interpreted as him not feeling guilty, simply thinking, how am I going to pull this off?
0: Well, yeah. And then at the end, he he knows that she's going to be mad at him. And so he's acting very sheepish, you know, but he's still trying to rationalize what he did. He's not sorry.
3: There, There's a great moment when she walks into the apartment um, with a, a knife in her hand. Yeah. He looks up. He stands up like he knows he's supposed to. And then he like... Brushes his hair and sits back down because he realizes, what the fuck am I going to say?
2: Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck am I going to do?
3: Like, there's nothing left Uh at this point.
0: The jig is up.
3: And then later when she's looking at the baby, he's walked off by himself Yeah. and like trying to hide. And it's just, he's such a disgusting person. He's such a despicable character. Just a piece of shit excuse for a human being.
0: Tannis Root doesn't exist. It's completely made up. Ira Levin made it up for the book. (laughs) In the book that Hutch leaves Rosemary, I think it's called All Them Witches or something like that.
3: Yes. All Uh, of Them Witches. All
0: of Them Witches. It describes Tannis Root in this way. In their rituals, they often use the fungus called devil's pepper. It's not actually a root. It's a fungus. I think they mentioned something about that. He, He He Hutch says it doesn't look like a root.
3: Looks like a fungus. Yeah.
0: This is a spongy matter derived from swampy regions having a strong pungent odor. Devil's pepper is considered to have special powers. It has been used in rituals and worn on charms.
3: And you're saying it doesn't exist?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Interesting. I just
0: thought that was that was a little interesting world building element, especially something that they bring up so often.
3: There are so many things I could talk about. Obviously, we're tr- we're desperately trying to not make these as long, guys. So, I mean. If you're thinking, "Wow, you missed a lot," know that I know that. <laughs> yeah,
0: do us a favor and write in and and uh, tell us your thoughts about this movie. We'd love to share them on a future episode.
3: There's so many moments in this film that are just like. There's even a point where she hears a siren in the background, like a like a warning siren for something. Yeah. There's a like a lot of little touches like that. That's just like, come on, Rosemary, wake up, figure this shit out. But she just keeps pushing it all aside. One thing that makes me so sad is when she tells... Because she still thinks the doctor is on her side at this point, Dr. Saperstein. She doesn't figure out that Dr. Saperstein is against her until the nurse talks about the fact that he also wears Tannis Root. Yeah. And that's towards the very... She's like,
0: I'll be right back. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Will you... Excuse me a
1: moment, Please. My husband is waiting outside. I have to go and tell him something. I'll be back in a minute.
3: When she tells Doctor Saperstein, he acts really sympathetic and like, "Oh my god, like that's incredible!" You know what a what a crazy coincidence. You know, um, he acts like I don't think Roman Castavet is necessarily an evil person, but I do believe you. You have way too much evidence for me to say you're wrong. Yeah, basically. And so he says, you know fantastic i can't believe he is a part of that like jesus christ you know well
0: but you know he's dying soon anyway i'm gonna tell him to go on this trip he's always wanted to take and then you won't have to interact with him at all you know it sounds like he's
1: so comforting suppose we do this i'll tell him to leave on sunday i'll say i spoke to you and you understand
3: are you sure they'll leave on sunday i'll see to it and her response is i'm sorry to hear that roman isn't well I'm sorry to
0: hear that Roman isn't well. Right? I like feel even bad. even though you're having somebody be like, "You know what? Let's get this man away from you because he's obviously causing you distress." You still feel the need to express your sympathies for him.
3: We were just watching an SNL episode the other day where Adie Bryant did a little monologue on what's it called? Weekend Update. Weekend Update. And she talks about how it is to be a woman. And how we feel guilt about everything. I, like most girls, have been taught to be accommodating and be polite. Like, once I felt bad about telling an Uber driver that he made a wrong turn, and so I just went with him to New Jersey. (laughs) I think she does the most amazing example of what it's like in a woman's head. Yeah. Just constantly apologizing for things you don't, you shouldn't have to apologize for, and second guessing yourself, and trying to make everyone around you comfortable and putting all of your own thoughts and feelings aside. And that is exactly what I feel for Rosemary. No matter the evidence, no matter the people on your side, she feels guilt. And that is how women... I I relate to it. I assume that a lot of women relate to it. If not, why would we still have characters on SNL doing an entire monologue about it? Yeah. The amount of guilt that we feel all the fucking time... For
0: just you know
3: existing
0: yeah well for rocking the boat
3: yeah that is so apparent in this film and I think that's why I finally get what this film is trying to say and Ira Levin you're awesome and I want to know more about you as an author now
0: (laughs) yeah maybe he might be awful too
2: (laughs) oh I don't know
3: I hope not
0: from what we know yeah also
3: there's a racist Asian joke in there just for kicks yeah. Because it's still the 60s. <laughs> uh, we
0: talked about how in Get Out, there's there's an Asian man, which is a reference to the one Japanese guy in the coven of witches in <laughs> Rosemary's Baby. And sure enough, but he's also the guy that has the camera and is taking all the pictures.
2: <laughs> Jesus
3: Christ. Even in a movie that's all about women's rights, still got to get a racist joke in
0: there. <laughs> uh, let's talk about, real quick, this is my last thing. Let's talk about Rosemary's haircut. <laughs> So she has this pixie cut in the movie that she gets, and Guy makes fun of her for it.
2: I look awful. What
1: are you talking about? You look great. It's that haircut that looks awful. You want the truth, honey? That's the worst mistake you ever made. I think even Hutch makes
0: fun of her for it. And there's this rumor going around that that was Roman Polanski's... Way of, like, getting in a dig at Mia Farrow because she went ahead and got that haircut without his permission when I preparing for the for role. I believe that for
3: years because yeah. I always heard that. It was a very
0: common rumor, but totally not true. Mm-mm. She was in Peyton's place for at least a year before this movie uh, was started shooting, and she had that haircut. She says she goes to Vidal Sassoon, and they even had a photo shoot that, was, that appeared in, like, newspapers and stuff like that of Vidal Sassoon cutting her hair like that because it was so remarkable that she wore that pixie cut. But according to her, sorry, Vidal Sassoon, you didn't create the cut. I did this myself and it was growing out and we went to you for a trim and used that as a photo opportunity. But it wasn't actually a Vidal Sassoon haircut and she had it the entire time and she was wearing a wig for the rest of the scenes.
3: Because in the book, she goes to Vidal Sassoon, gets a haircut, and guy says that looks terrible
0: yeah uh-huh
3: so all plus those it, years it does a better
0: job of making you look emaciated when you have a short haircut like that
3: yes yeah. so all those years i believed that that uh, rumor uh-huh and i told lots of people that rumor yep and then i read the book and i was like what the fuck
0: <laughs> <laughs> i was
3: so mad <laughs> all
0: right kelsey do you have anything else
3: tons of things but i'm not going to get into it
0: <laughs> kelsey what do you think the rotten tomato score is
3: 93. Close. Damn. 99.
2: Wow.
0: Yeah, it does uh it does very well for itself. That's out of 69 reviews, only one of them is rotten.
3: So, would you call this a psychological thriller? Maybe. Or would you call it a horror?
0: I think psychological thriller has certain other elements. I think the fact that this is the the child of Satan and There's a coven of witches. I think it lends itself more to the horror name.
3: So kind of bringing it back, would you have called Get Out a horror or a psychological thriller?
0: (sighs) That's probably more a thriller.
3: It's interesting. Why? I feel like they both tread the line.
0: Yeah, sure. No, I can see that. But if I have to come down on one side or the other, hers has elements of the fantastic in it Mm -hmm. and horrifying things like Satan. Mm-hmm. You know, Get Out doesn't have that. It's just people being awful to each other and it's medical procedures and it's they're all they're both about paranoia, but one's about paranoia of magic and the other's about paranoia of people. I would say one's a psychological thriller and the other's a psychological horror.
3: Yeah, I suppose I would call it a psychological horror.
0: In any case, the consensus is a frightening tale of Satanism and pregnancy That is even more disturbing than it sounds, thanks to convincing and committed performances by Mia Farrow and Ruth Gordon.
3: I would probably, this is going to be crazy, I'd probably give it 100%.
0: Yeah, your highest rating.
3: I can't think of much that I would change, and what I would change would only be to modernize it.
0: I'd give it a 95, like I gave Get Out.
3: I think this is the first psychological thriller that scared me. Yeah. Because... It felt like this could really happen. Right. And it, it makes you question the people around you. And not a lot of movies do that. Not a lot of movies get into your psyche and make you think like, can I trust the people around me? Do others have ulterior motives? And make you feel that paranoia.
0: Alright, that is 1968's Rosemary's Baby. If you have any thoughts, feel free to write us at podcemetery at gmail.com or send us a tweet at Pod Cemetery on Twitter. Before we move on to the television miniseries from 2014, Kelsey, you got a question for me from Slash Cards.
3: So I'm torn between these two. I'll go pick with one,
0: them. and then you can just share the second one.
3: Okay. Name two psychological horror movies. You. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: okay. But you Fine. can't
3: name the two that we just said.
0: I can't say Rosemary's Baby.
3: You can't say Rosemary's Baby, and you can't say Get Out. My stipulations, not the game stipulations.
0: The cell.
3: Oh, you would call that a psychological horror?
0: It all takes place in somebody's mind. Yeah. Literally. It's
3: also scary imagery and. Sure, that's what makes it a horror,
0: but it's all about the psychology of somebody's mind.
3: Interesting. Okay, name a second one. Split. See, these are not what I think of when I think of psychological horror. What do you think of? Well, I'll tell what's you I'll tell you the examples. The example they give is the others, which is a terrible movie I never saw it. and we will never do it on here. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> stupid. And Jacob's Ladder,
0: which again is all about something happening in somebody's mind.
3: Yeah. Huh. Okay, what's your question? Kelsey. Yeah.
0: What is the name Of Reagan's imaginary friend who likes to play with the Ouija board in The Exorcist.
3: Captain Howdy.
0: Yes, it is. Do you remember the name of the demon? Pazuzu. Pazuzu. That's right. That's right.
3: Would you like to know the question that I was going to ask? Yes. Okay. So this one is somewhat related to a movie that we've already done. Uh, What Italian filmmaker directed 1987's opera?
0: Dario Argento.
3: Yeah. And he did... uh, Bird with the Crystal Plumage. So. Yes. That was what my other question was going to be. So
0: I, I figured we got too many questions about this movie, so I didn't ask this question. Fifteen years after he murdered his sister, a psychopath escapes <laughs> from a mental institution and returns to his hometown to kill again and again and again in this 1978 film. Halloween. Halloween, yeah. <laughs> okay. So next up is 2014's TV miniseries, Rosemary's Baby, starring...
3: Zoe Saldana.
0: Who you may know as Gamora from Guardians of the Galaxy, among other things. She's
3: been in tons of things.
0: Yeah, go go look at her IMDb list.
3: And what you might find is that she was a producer of this film along with her sisters. Yeah, uh-huh. which tells me because one of the first questions I had was, "What the fuck is Zoe Saldana doing in this?" And I then... think
0: I think she is a really good replacement for Mia Farrow. Personally, I think just as far as like like looks and acting style, sure. Totally. I get it. Like a modernized Mia Farrow.
3: Sure. What I imagine, I have no idea. I've done no research on this movie at all. What I would guess is her and her sisters were clearly big fans of this movie. And so they were the ones that wanted to make it happen.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. And it just happens to take place in France. Seems like the Adam Sandler effect where it's
2: like, (laughs) I just want to go to France.
3: (laughs) But hey, if you have enough money to produce a film, I'm pretty sure you have enough money to go to Paris. Yeah,
0: good for her. Good for her. So, I mean, the storyline is exactly the same, except it takes place in Paris. And the husband, Guy, is not an actor. He's a teacher and a writer.
3: And they've obviously modernized it. It takes place in modern day.
0: Yeah. So you can also watch this on Amazon. I think it's also on iTunes, but it's like $6 on Amazon for both episodes. So... If you're going to watch it, just get it there. It's the same price to rent it, I think. So go ahead and watch it if you want. Is this a must watch, do you think? No. Not really, especially if you've seen the original. Yeah. But either way, either watch it or don't. And when we come back, we'll talk about 2014's Rosemary's Baby a modern remake
1: of a horror classic I'm never going to be able to provide my wife with the life that she deserves maybe we can help you a two part miniseries i hope this is everything you wanted
2: i want to make a baby
1: i'm pregnant starting from november 8th for two consecutive saturday nights the devil has many faces
2: which witches in my building
1: so we sell are Rosemary's Baby starts November 8th, first and exclusive on Thrill. Hey, Kelsey. Yeah? What do you
0: want to say about the TV miniseries Rosemary's Baby?
3: So, first of all, I was expecting to hate it.
0: Yeah, me too. And I didn't. Nope. There are some bad made-for-TV adaptations of famous movies. One that immediately springs to mind is The Shining.
3: Or It. (laughs)
0: Or It. Well, that was a TV miniseries first and then a movie. Right. But, yeah, there's, there's, uh, it's a thing when people make miniseries television events uh, based on things that already exist. It's, like, the only way you can get people to sit down and watch something.
3: You didn't even know this was a thing before I told you, did you? I know. You? I feel
0: like I've heard of it. I just oh. haven't thought of it in years.
3: I remember when it came out, I was pissed because I, I love this movie so much. I was like, fuck that. I'm not going to watch it. And now that I have, do I need to have seen it? No. It didn't add anything to the universe for me. It didn't excite me about it or anything, but it also wasn't terrible. It was just kind of fine. Yeah. In my opinion. What'd you think?
0: The Same exact thing for me. It was, it was good. Like, I, it's worth existing. I yeah. think it does some really interesting stuff. It, okay, so we're not really going that far into the plot because like we said before the break, it's virtually the same thing. Basically. It's just longer. And it changes some minor elements, like it takes place in France, and Guy is a teacher and a writer. Uh, Hutch is replaced by a young woman closer to Rosemary's age, who already lived in France. Does it matter that Zoe Saldana
3: is black? Not really. Like
0: It doesn't even enter into it.
3: They don't even talk about it, which I think is actually great. I think it says something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We now can have interracial couples, and, and it not nobody be like cares. A thing? It doesn't yeah. matter in any way, shape, or form. Well,
0: like we said, it's produced by Zoe Saldana. Like, she had control over what this movie miniseries was, and she wanted to make it more about the story than about that issue.
3: I think the only thing that they tried to change, and in my opinion, at first it was interesting, and then it went nowhere.
2: No,
3: that's something we're definitely going to talk about because that didn't make any damn sense. No, the one thing that this movie tried to do, in my opinion, it ended up failing at, they tried to make Guy um, a more sympathetic a character. more sympathetic, yeah. And at first, it was really interesting and intriguing. It seems
0: conflicted the entire time. I
3: was like, what are they going to do with this? Nothing. They right. do nothing with
0: it. Right. I mean, like, you still did it. You don't get absolution because you felt bad while you were doing it.
3: Or that you questioned it. Or yeah. that you thought at times, like, I'm taking her out of here.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: He didn't. And he does nothing to help her, so... So my main, take,
0: <laughs> my main takeaway for this movie is that they had a lot more time to focus on the psychological stuff. Yeah. They elected instead, I think, and this is to its detriment, to focus on things that either A, don't matter or go nowhere, or B, are violence and gore.
3: There was a little bit of violence and gore, yeah. yeah. Which there is none in the original.
0: There are scenes that are literally pointless. They're never hinted at beforehand. They're never referenced again afterwards. Like when Guy kisses Margot at the cafe, that goes nowhere. And despite the fact that this is three hours long, basically the the last act of the movie takes place in less than thirty minutes, and they which give I mean they basically. Short
3: they basically do that in the original film. No, I
0: okay. No, but they spend a half hour of an hour and a half movie. That would be like spending an hour of this movie. But she doesn't even find the book until there's a half hour left. She doesn't start freaking out until there's 12 minutes left. Like Nothing happens until the very end of this movie in regards to her being aware of what's going on.
3: No, she questions it throughout.
0: Right, right, right. But I mean, like, the, the yeah, she she has questions, but just like in the movie, she stops asking them when she starts to feel better.
3: And I think they did but, a But good... I
0: mean, like, when she finds out that they're actually witches and starts freaking out, that's like the last 12 minutes of the movie.
3: And I think they did a good job of making her concerns more modernized, but still keeping them. Yeah, mm-hmm she does throughout like we said question things and she does have a little bit of paranoia and they do a an, a fantastic job in my opinion of making those more modern but still holding true to the fact that women still have this guilt about them that women still have this no don't worry about me thing yeah
0: so in order to fill the time we get two new additions basically two new characters both of which are men despite the fact that Hutch is replaced by a woman We get the woman who commits suicide in the beginning. We get her husband.
3: Well, she's essentially Terry.
0: Yeah, no, I know. She is.
3: Yeah. But
0: Terry didn't have a husband. husband. Right. The husband actually plays a role in this movie. And we get the police commissioner who, by the end of the movie, agrees with Rosemary, but it's too late.
3: No, he feels that way the entire time. And that was another thing that we were excited about at the beginning because he's like... He has somebody
0: on her side. He's
3: like, Mm -hmm. always follow your instincts right from the Mm -hmm. get-go. Madame
1: Kosteve told me your story with a thief. You were brave but very foolish. I wish I had a hundred more like you on the force.
0: (laughs) He's an ally for her.
3: But again, that kind of goes nowhere. Something that was really exciting and intriguing, new, fresh, goes nowhere. Yeah. Same thing with guys' thoughts about what he's doing to his wife.
0: They even have a whole subplot of whether or not he's going to get a better job at his work, which he just quits anyway. Like what a lot of wasted time. And that's that's basically my biggest takeaway about this is that it's a lot of wasted opportunity where they they start to or they even do really interesting things with the original story. Uh, really good changes I think or at least something that would be interesting it doesn't negate the fact that the original exists so have fun with this one you know make it something different and they start to but they don't really commit to it and they waste 3 hours doing so which is a little bit of a bummer
3: i'd say the biggest change is making stephen Marcato first of all he's not he goes by roman castovet but he's not the son of stephen marcado he is stephen Macar- marcado and then you find out that he's not really stephen marcado He's the He's devil Satan. himself. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that he can change his face and form. And that brought a lot of questions. Like, at one point... The, the changes
0: bring a lot of questions. You're right.
3: And at one point, the detective is like, look, when you look up Stephen Marcato, you get all of these images.
0: Oh, all the Google image searches. That's how anyone does any investigating is a Google image search.
3: Which doesn't make a lot of sense because it shows pictures of famous people, Hitler, Kim Jong-il etc. And it's like, okay, so what does he do? He goes and he lives as this person, but at the same time, he's living out this other life. What is he doing? He's living out multiple lives at once, which, of course, you can just say, it's devil. It's it's magic. I hate that. I hate when you can just rely on the fact that it's magic. I don't have to explain anything to you. I can't remember
0: if we mentioned this before, but... One of the problems with an anything can happen storyline is that there are no stakes for anything, right? If anything can happen, then nothing's a surprise. There are no stakes to anything because anything can happen. That's a lot of my problems with, uh, with young adult fiction is that, you know... Anything can happen. That's the biggest problem with Harry Potter is they can just write themselves out of any corner by saying magic spell, a new magical creature that has a new magical power that we've never heard of until the exact moment when we needed it. Like, that's the problem. And you're right. It is. It's an issue with this one.
3: Yeah. I mean, anything. Exactly. Any story you can think of, even ones that we absolutely love. Harry Potter Game of Thrones. They can add anything in at any point that will change the story irrevocably. And they do- they get to because it's a world that we don't know. And that's not really fair. Yeah. It's not fair to your audience because it basically says, shut up, audience. We don't have to explain anything to yeah. you.
0: This movie also tried to be a little bit more sexual. Listen, there's some sexiness in the original Oh, you know, it's something I didn't talk about in the original is I really liked the dream sequences, the way it took the ambient noise and her voice from one scene and but put them in a different place. And then other people are talking and it syncs up with somebody talking in whatever scenario they're in, like on a boat. Like, it was really cool. This movie replaced that with sex scenes, basically. A lesbian kiss here, kiss between an older woman and a younger man who's having an affair.
3: Now- or. You could easily make the argument that that is because it's modern, it wants to have the sex appeal, et cetera, right? Yeah. But I honestly don't think that's why they included it. I think they included that stuff to eradicate the idea that she was raped. Not to say that she was cognizant of what was going on, and I think that says a lot about how society views rape. Yeah. But... When we get the rape scene, it is not shot in a way that communicates rape, yeah, it no, is shot she's... in a way that she enjoys it, and I think we're supposed to believe she's under the devil's spell, right? She's yeah. under a spell well, because
0: she saw him having sex with two women earlier on, and, and she, she was starts turned to get on hot and by bothered. it, yeah, uh-huh.
3: But she also didn't like it.
0: She couldn't control herself. Right. And so, but I mean, if you can't control yourself, that means you can't give consent, which means it's rape.
3: Exactly. Like I said, I think this movie felt, how can we appeal to people without including a rape? Because I know that's going to turn a lot of people off. This is on public television. This is something that anyone can watch. So instead of doing that, let's make it look like she's into it. And just ignore the fact that, no, it's still fucking rape, guys. She didn't say she wanted this.
0: They have that conversation the next morning, which is similar to the original, except they don't go in the whole, you know, she was passed out and it was like a sexy necrophilia thing. Instead, he's like, no, listen, you were into it at the time, which raises all sorts of questions about consent, especially in today's climate the movie a little bit ahead of its time, maybe? Or is it that it it didn't realize that these sorts of social comments would be coming up later?
3: Yeah. And the fact that the Saldana sisters produced it.
0: What other differences do you want to talk about?
3: I don't know why they decided to put it in France. Just for a change of scenery?
0: It's sexy. It's more exotic. A, A Satanist cult in Europe makes a little bit more sense than... A satanist cult in America, like
3: those are all really. I'm sorry, those for me, those are really weak. And again,
0: reasonings. and again, I'm producing this movie.
2: <laughs> I want to go.
0: I want to go to France. <laughs> and and you got to take her out of her element, where you know she only has one friend, and then that friend dies. Like if she was still in America, she'd have more resources.
3: That's true. That is a good point. Now, there's a lot of elaborate setup in this movie for no reason other than they have three hours to fill.
0: Ugh, and they're so vague. And listen, there's a post-it note scenario in this movie, too. <laughs> with uh, There's a few of them with the original husband, the husband of the Terry character. He comes up to Guy and Guy straight up asks him, who are you? And his response is, I'm you.
1: All right, I'm sorry, man. I don't have any money. But nothing comes without a price. You know that? All right, I'm not having this conversation with a total stranger. Who are you? I am you.
2: Wait.
0: Hey! I'm sorry. If you want to warn this guy that something's going on, don't be vague. Tell him what's up. Listen, hey, you know, I lived in that apartment you're living in now. My wife killed herself, and this is why you need to protect yourself.
3: Yeah, I mean, he he says other things. I can't remember exactly what he said in that scene. But it's all but vague shit. It is very vague. We, the audience, know exactly what he's saying. Yeah. And considering the fact that Guy knows what's going on, it's probably pretty fucking clear that he gets it too. But still, you're right. Why not just say it? If this were real, why not?
0: Yeah, I and he'd be like, hey, you think you're clever, you think you're getting what you want, I'm here as an example to tell you, you will get fucked.
3: Exactly, and if your response is, oh, perhaps he's under some sort of spell from the devil because he made a contract with the devil, well then why would he be able to talk to him in the first place, you know? Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of elaborate setup, like the way that she meets the cast of Etz, she gets her purse stolen he gets hit by a car. She, she runs after him. She gets the purse. There's a wallet inside well, It's not of actually
0: it. her purse. Her purse is still, they never mention the fact that she, her purse is still missing.
3: It's super elaborate. It There's no point. Margo. Why they, doesn't she just bump into Margo? She Castellan? gets a cat and the cat never goes
0: anywhere except for one moment where she finds the hidden doorway because her cat's on the other side.
3: Which means that it would be going against what it's there for
0: right no 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 no, I'm saying for the story not for the characters oh. what does that have to do with the story why include it in the script like it does that one function surely you can find another way waste a lot of time talking about this cat
3: especially since the whole time we figured the cat
0: is like spying on them or yeah. something they can see through the cat's eyes exactly or, yeah. nope they never go anywhere with it and that's a lot of the stuff that happens in this movie you know what now that I'm talking about it I think I didn't like it as much as I thought I did <laughs> <laughs>
3: The more you think about it, the more things don't make sense. True. I still think it's fine. Yeah. It's not, like I said, this is not a must watch.
0: You see Satan, instead of being a hairy monster, he's an actual person walking around, another form of Roman Castafete. He talks to her, um... I mean, that seemed kind of unnecessary. It's supposed to be exotic and sexy, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Their apartment building is built over the catacombs, and they say that rituals were performed there. (laughs) There's a priest who says he saw Stephen Mercado kill a prostitute and eat her heart, and then the the priest kills himself or is killed. We don't know.
3: Why he saw him, why he was there... Not explained, yeah,
0: none of this. Why all of a sudden he's manic when he saw it months ago, like it
3: it's really pretty pointless.
0: they could have made this a movie instead of three hours. They could have made it an hour and a half, and I think it would have been a lot better.
3: there's a yeah, there everything that they include that's new goes nowhere when yeah you really when you really think about it, every single new idea they put into it ends up being pointless. The
0: cop, the cop. Okay. So the cop and the husband are kind of tied into each other. The husband's only function is to make guy like wary, but that doesn't go anywhere. He also ends up attacking Roman showing up in the hospital and then dying because they cast a spell on him. But the only one who knows that is the cop who ends up dying before he can share that information. There's plot threads reaching out to several points towards the beginning of the movie that all converge in, a character dies and what they knew was never communicated, so it's entirely pointless,
3: yeah, and the only reason we're bringing that up because you might argue, well, Hutch's knowing goes nowhere. she ends no, up. no he he
0: he informs her
3: right, but it goes nowhere because she ends up having the baby and it ends up like that's the ending. But that's
0: that's shit that happens to the main character at least
3: right. This is a new version. They could have done anything they wanted with it. And they just kind of added new plot threads that also went nowhere. It, it's, pretty, it's pretty dumb.
0: We also get to see a private conversation between the Castavets and Guy that we never got to see before uh, in the original. Where Guy's like, I don't know about this. I think we're going to leave. And then Roman threatens him by saying, oh, you may have writer's block for the rest of your life. Yeah. You don't scare me, Roman. Why ever
1: would I want to scare you? Margot and I just want to help you both. Like... I flatter myself I may have helped you write your book, for instance. I wrote that book. I put my blood and sweat onto every single page. Of course you did. I just worry that a change of environment might bring on, who knows, writer's block, I'd say, for the rest of your life. Now, that is scary.
0: They also throw a baby shower for her. And she reveals the fact that it's going to be a son, at which point Roman cries.
1: Calls
3: the little prince. Yeah.
0: He says, I can't wait to meet our little prince. And then I wrote here, of
1: darkness. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Roman, it's a celebration. Please don't cry.
1: Not ashamed to say that I'm thrilled for you. And I can't wait to meet our little prince.
2: Oh. Oh. Also, Jason
0: um, Isaacs. Isaacs. I thought he did a great job. He's he's Jason Isaacs. If you've ever seen him in anything, he's the same exact person in this.
3: Yeah, he's evil all the time. <laughs> it's really sad. <laughs> Not
0: all the time. Surely he was good in something.
3: Of all the things I know him from, he's evil.
0: So speaking of Harry Potter, he's uh, Lucius Malfoy, the father bad guy in Harry Potter. He's... Um,
3: Draco's dad.
0: Draco's dad, yeah. He's... The new captain, one of the new captains in uh, Star Trek Discovery, the new Star Trek show. Sure. Oh, God. Yeah, he was the bad guy in the OA. He's the bad guy in A Cure for Wellness.
3: He's the bad guy in The Patriot.
0: Yeah. He's the voice of Satan in Castlevania Lords of Shadow. <laughs> Surely he's good in something.
2: <laughs> Hold on.
0: I'm not going to. Uh, he's Ra's al Ghul, Ra's al Ghul, and Batman Under the Red Hood. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. He's
3: never been a good guy. I'm telling you.
0: I swear I've seen him in something where he played a good guy. Holy shit. Lord Felton and Dragonheart. Son of a bitch. All right. Sorry, Jason Isaacs. I'm sure you're. Listen, if you know if Jason Isaacs was a good guy in something.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, pod cemetery at gmail.com. <laughs>
3: I have a ton of notes.
0: I kind of don't want to talk about any of
3: them. Exactly, like when you put it all together, yeah, it's it's fine. It's not great. It's not scary. It doesn't add anything. Everything it does add is pointless. Right. They also <laughs>
0: don't draw. So they go further into the other women they've done this with for the past thirty years. Yes. There's records of this missing we need women. To talk about. So it does something. It sets up that the children are being bred as innocents so they can be sacrificed in a in a blood ritual so these people can stay young but it is ultimately revealed that that's not what's happening to Rosemary she actually is giving birth to the son of Satan so were all the others going to be the children of Satan and they just failed multiple times or is the blood sacrifice an actual thing and this isn't that, and that's just a red herring. It's very unclear about what's... And it seems like a lot of, again, wasted time.
3: Exactly. Tons of women over the years have been killed. And exactly. And she thinks it's because they've been killing them, taking their babies, and using them as sacrifices. I assume
0: that that's true, but then...
3: Why, why this are they one... setting up a
0: pattern and then saying this one breaks the pattern? Like, it... <sighs>
3: Or, again, if it was that they were trying over and over and over again to get a baby, it's just like there's got to be a better way. Yeah. there, the, Especially in this day and age, there's probably... Chris was making the argument last time that, that it's not going to be easy to find someone who would be willing to have the devil's baby. I feel like in this day and age, it'd be a lot easier because a lot more people <laughs> are greedy and interested in money and nothing else. Well, hold on. Uh-huh. For fuck's sake... He can be a human in this one, right? Satan. Yeah. Yeah. Totally normal human, everyday human.
0: Why does he need a son?
3: No. Why not get a surrogate?
0: Yeah. Have
3: have her have a baby because you don't have
0: to ever tell them anything.
3: Exactly. You don't have to tell them fucking shit. And what we see at the end of this is that this baby comes out looking normal as fuck.
0: Yeah. He has bright blue eyes and he is of mixed ethnicity, like and.
3: In the original. What did we didn't, you do to his eyes? It, we didn't say this. In the original, she's like, What did you do to it, you maniacs? What's wrong with its eyes? What have you done to it? What have you done to its eyes?
1: He has his father's eyes.
3: What are you talking about? Guy's eyes are normal.
1: What have you done to him, you maniacs? Satan is his father, not Guy. He came up from hell and begat a son of mortal woman. Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Satan is his father, and his name is Adrian. He shall overthrow the mighty and lay waste their temples. He shall redeem the despised and wreak vengeance in the name of the burned and the tortured. Hail Adrian! Hail Adrian! Hail Satan! Hail Satan!
3: Satan. And then... They also say, look at his hands, look at his feet.
1: Yeah.
0: Implying like they're that they're hooved or something like that, yeah.
3: Implying that he is disfigured in some way.
0: This they still have that moment where she's like, What did you do to his eyes? And he just has crystal blue eyes. <gasps> What's wrong
2: with him? What's wrong with his eyes?
1: He has his father's eyes.
2: His father.
1: Satan is his father. Oh
2: my god. Satan.
1: Let it be known that Satan begat a son with a mortal woman, the Dark Prince.
2: Actually,
3: I did say this in the last one. She has all this pain, and they do include that in this version. In the original, you end up finding out it was most likely because the baby is obviously disfigured, and the human body is not supposed to carry this kind of child, right? Yeah. They don't actually say that, but you can assume it. In this one, she does go to another doctor, she does get an ultrasound, and there is obviously something wrong with the fetus. And
0: it, it never goes anywhere. Never
3: goes fucking anywhere. Yeah. But it doesn't at least translate they,
0: to any deformities or anything. Yeah.
3: But at least when you hear that, it's like, oh, okay, so it obviously has some sort of deformity that is making it painful for her to have the baby. But then when she has it, it has it's
0: no totally deformity.
3: What the fuck?
0: Yeah. I mean, you, it's one of those moments where in the original, they don't tell you what it looks like and it's left to your imagination. Kelsey hates that kind of stuff. I, I love I it. I
3: desperately want to know what it looks like. And, I'm, and go, so, I'm going to go back to the book when I find it. and I'm going to read it and find out if it describes it or and, not. And so <laughs> they,
0: they get the opportunity and they actually show the baby and it's just like fucking nothing. As a matter of fact, at the end of the movie, she's walking down the street and a, another couple is like, oh, it's so beautiful. And she's like, yeah, I know he's perfect. Like
3: yeah, and it what? kind of.
0: Why were you freaked out about his eyes?
3: It almost implies that she becomes evil at the end, which I hate.
0: Yeah, me too.
3: That is not what the story is about. Oh, because the power—the
0: be power of being a mother—is more is stronger and more important than not being a fucking Satanist. She has a miscarriage in the beginning, which I guess sets the stakes for them having another baby and how important it is. They give away everything in the beginning.
3: Yeah, there's no question the entire movie. We know that he that they are devil worshipers. I, one of the
0: first things said in the movie is the Terry character screaming at her husband, you sold me. Yeah. Which I think... She's scribbling in the book. That's what I was going to say, is that Hutch... You know, we don't get Hutch in this one, and Hutch is the one that informs Rosemary of what's going on. This version of Hutch, this blonde friend, she doesn't get to do that. She just gets a gory death, and she gets to defend her friend, which I think was really good. Uh, She really sticks up for her friend and good on her. But she doesn't get to be the one to expose Rosemary to this world. It's instead the Terry character, the the first woman who kills herself— uh, she's writing everything in the book and she leaves the book. Why was that book never found? We never really saw her hide the book. If it's in the pathway that that weird gremlin guy, like Quasimodo dude, walks through, how come he never found that book before and put it Explain away? who
3: you're talking about. The audience does not know who you're talking about. There's yet.
0: this weird guy that they pass off as the super in the movie and he doesn't have a tongue and he goes to fix the, he's in her, her apartment and when she freaks out, Margo's like, oh, he's, Fixing the fireplace, you know, I've, our our fireplace had a problem. I figured he should look at yours too. And she's like, at afterwards, she's like, this, this room doesn't have a fireplace, and like she doesn't ask any other questions. But then you see him, and I guess he's like a um, what's it called
3: when you Igor, have to walk-
0: like a thrall of theirs, like
3: yeah, he he does their bidding, but, but like to I mean, what end? Does, they he, don't
0: show him doing anything important. Yeah. Like, she could have stumbled upon that room just as easily without him being there. I guess it adds a little bit of tension, but you don't know, like, he's never a threat.
3: Again, additions that do nothing.
0: But yeah, right right from the get go, you know absolutely everything. It's, think... it's a contrast to what happens in the original where you can hear them talking and you're like, that's a weird conversation. If you can make it out, you still don't know what it's about. In this, they're like straight up front about everything. Like I said, you actually see Margot and Roman talking to Guy about their plan, which never happens in the
1: original. Maybe if I had a better job or more money, then I wouldn't have to worry about it so much. Never going to be able to provide my wife with the life that she deserves. Maybe we can help you. Pierre, the club, please.
3: Which I feel like they included for either one of two reasons, or maybe both, or maybe something I can't think of. I would imagine that it's either A, they figure you already know the fucking ending, right? It's a part of our pop culture that most people would know it, but honestly, I don't think most of my kids have ever heard of Rosemary's Baby, so younger generations might not have known that it was supposed to be the devil. Right. Or B, they wanted to give Guy more of a sympathetic storyline,
2: right? right.
3: but that doesn't do anything if you don't do anything with it. I don't give a shit about
0: Guy. Fuck him.
3: He doesn't change anything this time. Yeah. So it's pointless.
0: As a matter of fact, she says she wants to break up. And then he he's appears in the same capacity as he does in the last scene where she finds the baby. And it's like, dude, just hide in a corner. She doesn't need to see you. Like, if you're worried about what she's going to say, like, just she thinks you're gone. <laughs> anyway, do you have anything else to say about this movie? Because I'm, I'm tapped. I mean, I, I guess I thought the acting was good. I really like Zoe Saldana. I really like Jason Isaacs. I was excited for their for their opportunity to, to really mix things up or to dive deeper in certain things, to add elements to make the story more interesting. And it just, it failed on every one of those fronts. I like you said, it wasn't bad. It was just, you know, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed.
3: One thing that confused me is that the girl who died, the girl who killed herself, her husband continues to help the, the cast of Etz. But then at the same time, no, he doesn't. isn't he the one who steals the purse? Isn't he the one that does something else, too, for them?
0: Oh, yeah, maybe that part of it. But he to get what's owed him. You know, he wants he still wants to basically his wife kills herself, so they don't get what they want. So they're not going to give him what he wants. So he still works for them. Um, But at a certain point, he's still not getting what he wants. Again, they don't explain this at all.
3: What was he promised? Because he says that. He says, I want what was promised. promised. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. At what point did he feel like he's not getting what he wants? We don't know because we don't know what he wants. We don't know how they fulfilled that. Yeah. We don't know anything because they have three hours and they just throw more stuff that they never explain at the wall.
3: So he ends up shooting Jason Isaacs, who, of course, is fine because he's the fucking devil.
0: But by this point, we know
3: he's a bad guy. So like she does some sort of spell, which makes him wake up in the middle of surgery because he also gets shot somehow.
0: Yeah, I don't remember.
3: I don't remember. That's a gnarly. Oh, no, the
0: cops that are there shoot him. Yeah, Yeah, that's a
3: gnarly scene. Yeah, when he wakes up and his body is all cut open and he just dies and all his blood goes spurting everywhere it was pretty nice right
0: I I, I like that and I thought it was interesting and in that it would go somewhere and it all just leads up to the one moment and that's the commissioner getting run over by the giant truck and then it adds nothing to the plot
3: also the fact that Minnie cast of it in this version is essentially married to the devil Margot yeah they say at one point that she can't have children.
0: Why is the devil married to her? <laughs> yeah. If she can't have children and he needs to go through all this stuff.
2: Yeah.
3: I
0: guess the devil loves her. Yeah. No, I know. Why? I know. It's because that's what happens in the original movie.
3: The devil can feel love?
0: I'm saying it's because there are a couple in the original movie. So there are a couple in this. And then if Roman's the devil, they need to explain away why she can't have the kid. So and why? then that leaves us open question. Right. It just adds more questions that are unexplained. And it's, again, disappointing.
3: I didn't like her haircut in this one. No, <laughs> I liked. I actually like the one that Mia Mira yeah, has. Yeah, it's adorable. But I don't like this one. No, it she, It makes it her look work. older. Yeah, and grosser. It which I guess you're... is what the original was supposed to do. But it was actually really cute.
0: No, I mean it can make a it can make a really young person seem older, or an older person seem younger. This haircut made Zoe Saldana look like she was in her late forties.
3: And yet, the husband in this one says... He loves it. It's beautiful. Well,
0: because he's trying to appease her. She's upset, and he's like, I've been ignoring you. She's like, yeah, you have. You didn't even notice my haircut. And he's like, which is beautiful,
1: by the way. So wrapped up in my book, I've been neglecting the most important person in my life.
2: Yes, you have. You haven't even noticed my haircut.
1: (laughs) Which looks beautiful, by the
3: way. Yeah, I mean, I have a couple of other things I could talk about, but they're kind of, again, pointless. This whole movie is pointless. Yeah. That's what it ends up being. It's just pointless. It's fine. It's not terribly made. It's not terribly acted. It's not terribly even written. It's just pointless. Well,
0: you'll see the Rotten Tomatoes consensus, and it kind of mirrors something I said earlier. What do you think the Rotten Tomatoes score is?
3: Well, considering the fact that the original is a 99%, I would assume that this is pretty fucking low. Uh, 56.
0: 31.
3: There it is.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: The consensus is... Although the Parisian setting and special effects are impressive, this *Rosemary's Baby* remake resorts to sensationalism and gore.
3: I didn't feel like this was relying on the gore. I felt when like the was gore... there
0: a, when was there a shootout in the original? There wasn't. When did somebody wake up in the middle of surgery? There wasn't. When did somebody get boiling oil all over their skin and then bang their head on the back of their uh, back of a table so they bleed out on the floor? It didn't happen. When was somebody run over by a truck and their body dragged on the ground, leaving streaks of blood in the middle of an intersection? Well, it when didn't you put it that happen. way. <laughs> That's exactly what happens. I
3: guess they space it out well enough that it didn't feel overt to me. Yeah. We've we've seen such a yeah, yeah, no, no, stuff. it
0: didn't. But thinking back on it, it's like, oh, yeah, no, that was what this was about. I like the psychological elements of Rosemary's Baby. This tried to fill in the blanks in this extra three hours. They're trying to, like, double the length, and they try to fill it in with plot points that go nowhere, new plot holes, and blood. And that's not good enough. I'm sorry. I'd, I'd say
3: 40%. I'd give it a 50. Because, I mean, I, I didn't... It's not... Bad. I,
0: yeah, I enjoyed myself while I was watching it, but it's just like in retrospect that it kind of makes me angry.
3: Yeah, like I said, actually, I think the acting is pretty fucking good. Actually, yeah. uh huh. I think Zoe Saldana is a great actress. The guy who plays her husband is actually not that bad. He's, he's been in like Suits. he's been in like nothing.
0: Oh, you know, um, I mean, he's been
3: in a lot of things, but nothing. If you know, you what know, I mean.
0: yeah. <laughs> you know uh, Prince Harry, he's getting married to Meghan Markle. Yeah. Meghan Markle is an American actress. Yeah. She plays this guy's love interest in Suits.
3: Huh. And he was actually pretty good. I think Zoe Saldana is way prettier. Like, she doesn't, she would not be with him in real
2: life. Yeah,
0: she's kind of out of his league.
3: Way <laughs> out of his league. Um, like, he's handsome, he's but he also
0: seems pretty young.
3: I think the acting is actually pretty good. And yeah. like like you said, it's actually got pretty good special effects, especially when you think about the fact that it's a TV movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, it's pretty impressive.
0: I mean, I'll, I'll say good on you, Saldana sisters. It was fun. It was interesting. It was well made. It just... It, was it too did disappointing. nothing for it, it. Yeah, it did nothing. Which is a bummer. Yeah. Kelsey, we have Valentine's Day coming up. So what are we watching?
3: Next week, we will be watching 1981's X-Ray.
0: Which takes place on Valentine's Day, you tell me? Yes. I've never even heard of it.
3: I've never heard of it either. So that'll be fun. And 2001's Valentine. Which
0: you say, like, I should know what it is, and I have no idea.
3: I love this movie. I own the book that it's based on. I'm really excited to do it.
0: Okay. (laughs) If you're excited, then I'm excited. Yeah. In the meantime, you can reach us at podcemetery at gmail.com. Email us your thoughts, suggestions for other movies, that sort of thing. Or you can follow us on Twitter at podcemetery. Until next week. My name is Chris.
3: My name is Kelsey. And
0: as we say at the end of every episode of Pod Cemetery...
3: You're lying! You witches! You're lying! You're
2: lying! I don't be in a cemetery.
3: Just a piece of shit excuse for a human being.
0: You aren't even listening to me.
3: I'm reading my notes. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. What were you saying?
0: I said I wasn't angry, I was just disappointed. Oh.
3: I'm sorry, honey.
0: I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> sense that someone is nearby, I will bark ceaselessly until I see somebody.